0: Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening.
2: Hey guys, welcome back to RPG Day 2023. It is August the 10th, which is favorite tie-in fiction. And because I don't write any fiction except for game material, I invited two great guys that I know that actually have fiction as well as their role-playing material that they make. Justin, John, welcome back. Uh, John, let's put you first in line here since Justin was yesterday. What do you have for your favorite tie-in fiction? You might have a thing, right?
0: Ah, well, there's so many. But um, I've been blessed in so many ways. Um, my gran- Here's a story. My grandfather and grandmother raised me. And um when I was growing up, for over twenty years, every week my grandfather would take a bus into New York City and go to his fancy club in a restaurant called Sardi's in New York City. And once a week he'd go there and he'd come back, uh, you know, he'd go there most of the day, and then he'd come back and he'd regale grandma and me and he'd be like oh god walter keeps bragging about every place he's gone to and oh you would not believe what isaac was talking about oh uh, these silly things he always writes about you know anyway now it took me several years but when i realized my grandfather was talking about walter cronkite and isaac asimov
1: oh.
0: <laughs> I he had lunch with these guys every week for over 20 years. <laughs> well, when I realized this, my, my friends and I, we all loaded up my grandfather almost every week. We'd load him up with a, a backpack full of books. Oh, please get Isaac Asimov to sign these books for us. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, because the Gentleman's Club, uh, and yes, it was a Gentleman's Club, they basically just had lunch together, no, no, no strippers or anything, but just lunch together. And um, because the gentlemen's Club only allowed family members to come twice a year, the Christmas party and the Easter party, for about five years, while I was growing up as a teenager, for about five years... I got to have dinner with Walter Cronkite and Isaac Asimov. I got to have dinner with them twice a year for five years. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just fell in love with Isaac Asimov's books. He always inspired me. Of course, he autographed uh, and personalized all of my uh, Foundation books and right on up to uh, uh, the later books, including Prelude to Foundation, the last one he did on I I was always more into the foundation than the robot books. But, hey, the robot books were cool. I got a few of those autographed as well. And, uh, yes, uh, while I can say I've met Isaac Asimov, oh, twice a year for five years. So that's ten times. I can honestly say that I met and had lunch with Isaac Asimov ten times. It was my grandfather who really knew him as a good friend. And what what the really funny, the really hysterical thing was, guys. My grandfather hated science fiction. He could never understand why my grandmother and I would religiously watch Star Trek every time it was on TV. (laughs) He he never got into science fiction. Yet, he was best friends with Isaac Asimov. (laughs) Have I talked too long? No,
2: no. So I, you know, but uh, in regards to how fiction ties in with role-playing games, what is, you know, since you do have a game that's, you know, I mean, a book that's basically based on your game and vice versa, I guess, you know, how six
0: six books, how
2: how, how in your books. opinion do you think RPG RPGs and fiction tie together? I mean, do you think the RPG oh. should fit? the setting or do you think the setting comes out of the RPG you know cuz the RPG would be the rules part whereas the fiction mm-hmm. is the fluff story part
0: uh i i characterize it differently you see Gary Gygax himself i only i only met the man once and i hardly met him i basically just shook his hand at a convention once but i remember him saying um don't tell the players they never really need any rules. <laughs> I think my setting provides the characterization for the characters. And when I have the characters interact and react, as I think most people would in the real world, it gets fun. <laughs> so I, uh, all of my books are set in my magical world of Palomar. Um and yes, uh, Palomar is divided okay. It's confusing. There's the Palomaran multiverse, there's the Palomaran galaxy, there's the Palomaran solar system, there's the Palomaran planet, <laughs> you, know, all, you know, right on down to the Palomaran continents and the Palomaran Empire. I mean I could go into eight hours on this, James. You shouldn't indulge me, but uh with three with three surface continents. Uh, the underwater rivers and oceans and of course the underdark all just in this one planet that i've been developing uh oh yes i i've never had writer's block i i get i draw inspiration from hundreds of myths from all over the world and uh i i uh i'm very lucky because i just i just take a couple of adventures that my players have played in tweak them, embellish them. Sometimes I change a little, little things here and there. But, uh, but yes, I have six books out. All of them are very different. Each one has a different focus. And uh, I, I can say that I've been very lucky because I, I've never once had writer's block. There's, um, there are three ways to write a book. And please cut me off if I'm going on too long. There are three ways to write a book. There's the Isaac Asimov way. Where you come up with a whiz bang ending, you come up with a smashing, uh, universal changing ending, right? Mm-hmm. And then you back up a year or two in the story, and then you have all, you start with all the little subplots with everything building, 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 coming together, coming together, right to the big bang ending. Okay? I call that the Asimov way of writing books. The second way, oddly enough, is the Tolkien way. <laughs> Tolkien, or some people say J.R.R. Tolkien, it's really pronounced Tolkien. Well, anyway, Tolkien just started writing the book and he let the book write itself. Uh, I, I remember reading in his papers, and believe me, I, I've absorbed everything he's written. Uh, he, uh, he, he constantly talked about how he did not even have the One Ring developed as a sc- story plot Until the Council of Elrond. When he got to the Council of Elrond, he's like, "Okay, we need a reason for these uh, hobbits to leave their home and go to the Council of Elrond." So he actually went back and wrote the ring in. (laughs) So the the first chapter of The Lord of the Rings is like one of the latter chapters written. (laughs) You know, know, was written late. Okay. Anyway, that's the second way. The third way. I like to think of it as the James Clavell way. James Clavell wrote a lot of wonderful books, and he used his Asian saga, basically historical events in Asia, everything from uh, 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 the shogun with the Tokugawa shogunate consolidating its power with the, the story of uh, the real pilot's name was Adams. I'm trying to – I think it was William mm. Adams, but uh, – Anyway, uh, William Adams, uh, of course, is the model for Anjin, engines or John Blackthorne in the Shogun book. Anyway, well, what, uh, the third way, what Clavel did, he took historical events or historical backdrop, building up to big historical events. And then he put imaginary or changed named characters in those events and help, helping the events develop. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's the Asimov way, the uh, Clavel way, and the Tolkien way. And I, I generally like to write the Asimov way. I like to know where I'm going. Where's the Where's the big finish? What's the gigantic cataclysmic da, 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 bang ending? And yes, I I have a couple of epilogue chapters. You know, to bite, uh, write uh, tie everything up in my books. But uh, but. Uh, I I don't like to write like Tolkien did where I just start writing and just see where the book goes. You know, that, that to me, I think is rather risky. The classic. Yeah. I like the Clavel way, but I, but I prefer the Asimov way.
2: (laughs) So when it, when it comes Uh to the, uh, the RPG and the, the fiction, how do they, how do they support each other? I mean, do you do you make sure in the books to sprinkle things that are just like in in your RPG games is is little little tidbits for your players so when they read the book they can totally go aha when it comes to the gameplay yes. or or how do you normally yes. try to do that do you do you let the gameplay well, create it or do you let the fiction create it first
0: I like I let the fiction create it first now some but uh, I try to do it in different ways. Sometimes I'm overt. I will actually say in my book, uh, by 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 sheer will, the hero manages to shake off the wicked charm spell from the evil succubus. Right. So uh, it would it would signal to the reader, aha, he made his saving throw. But I'm not going to say in the book, oh, he rolled the dice and or dicer, he rolled the dice and uh, made his saving throw. No, no. And uh, for uh, never ever leave a big blocky description. You can lose yourself describing a character for like a whole page. When just throughout the book, you can add things like, "Oh wow, the uh, the purple dragon's breath weapon. When when she fired it at the uh, evil uh, humanoid fleet of ships co- approaching, her her uh, laser bolt left, uh, breath weapon was so bright it actually blinded people who actually looked at it directly." You know like that's a that's a trait from a purple dragon from a dragon magazine mm-hmm. they, The dragon magazine they finally completed all the colors purple orange and yellow along with all the other colors that were listed in the monster in the original monster manual so uh i I just took a mo- I took a dragon that had not really been used in in uh, set in fantasy settings yet and then throughout the book I would drop a Drop, drop, something that oh yes uh, the dragon decides to change into a human human form to interact and have fun and you know uh, oh yeah I went I went to I I went to Dayton I would get a job I'd have some laughs I'd pretend to be a human and then uh then, uh like yeah then something always blows or blows the dragon's cover and it always causes a big ruckus hence my third book pivotal ruckus. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, to answer your question, RPG rules—they they can be very cumbersome if you just write them out specifically. It's better to weave them into the story, like uh, the evil succubus demon. Uh, instead of like spending a half hour describing how pretty she is, just like uh, instead just say something like the evil succubus demon smiles and. Fl- Flip, flips back her lovely blonde hair and suddenly suddenly the fighter I'm just making this up the 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 fighter uh, hergon hergon just finds his will slipping away like wow she is just so pretty oh i want to i want to spend some time with her you know I, I mean again uh people reading find that a lot more engaging and aha, the succubus casts a charm spell on the fighter, and he fails his saving. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. So,
2: so it's it's basically the art before the math, which which is is a method I like. So uh, right. One interesting one, uh, Justin, you've you've got your own RPG with your own RPG rules, as well as your fiction that you write that supports the book. Which, by the way, if you guys ever get a chance with After the Collapse, read the novels. Read the novels because you would totally find great ways to introduce your players to things. As the character's persona, first person, walks into the events, you can totally take what you read in the books and use that as your description in game when you're describing something. Just totally gonna throw that one right. out there for you. So uh, go go for it, Justin.
1: Well, okay. Uh, I'm gonna uh, try to spin a little grand unified theory here for uh, for the sake of uh, the folks who uh, crunch the numbers, but uh, when nobody else is around, they still like to sit there and, and read the books. When you think about the the arc of a role playing gamer. The first thing you begin with is the origin. And we've all had this happen. You're playing your game. Somebody walks over to the table and says, hey, what what was going on here? What is this? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, easiest way in the world to build the bridge to the brand new gamer is to say, hey. Do you read this kind of fiction? So if you're sitting there playing swords and sorcery fantasy and you say, hey, um, have you read The Grey Mouser by Fritz Lieber? Have you read any of the, uh, the Conan adventures by Robert E. Howard? And, uh-huh. and you know, eventually what happens is within 20 or 30 seconds. You know, you're talking to a future gamer when they say, well, yes, I have read blah, 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 whatever, whatever it is. It's like, you know, yes, I, I read, um, you know, I read clan of the cave bear by mm-hmm. Margaret. What's her name? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, all mm-hmm. right. Uh, you have read a sword and sorcery. You have read a, a swashbuckler. And then, so it's, it's like that, but at key moments in the story, you roll dice to answer certain questions. Now, as soon as you link the game to their understanding of whatever the flavor of fiction is, then automatically the door opens. They're curious. Ooh, tell me more. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's the hook. That's the beginning point. And when it comes to classic swords and sorcery, you've got a fantastic amount of material out there. And like I said, you've got you know Grey Mouser and you've got the dragon and anything Dragonlance mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. it, it, it is perfect for, for for that sort of thing. And this is again swords and sorcery. So, in my own world of uh, of post apocalypse, there's ten thousand post apocalyptic novels out there that have all been made into movies. But all I ever have to say to anybody when I'm sitting there, whether it's after collapse or gamma world or whatever, and somebody have you ever seen the Road Warrior movies? Oh yes, okay, it's like that, but this is you know this is this is done at the table with the dice and perhaps a bit more beer so that, that <laughs> that's how that that, that that's how that works. So you're using what the what, what the the potential future gamer already knows about fiction, because in so many cases, the pattern of the fiction, uh, the art, as James would say, does in fact come before the math, because in so many things, whether it's Grey Mauser or or Dragonlance or uh, anything else you'd care to name even any of the novels uh based on game of thrones you know there's you know, th- there's the the meet and greet all the characters get together in a smoky tavern and 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 some crabby old man that who they can barely understand tells them the nuts and bolts of the adventure and then they go on the dungeon crawl mhm right well okay or, uh, there's a lot um, of, there's I... a lot of fiction out there and Absolutely. it all all Absolutely. of it provides whether the, whether the new gamer knows it or not, it provides them with a huge amount of capital C context for what eventually goes on in the, in, in the actual role playing of the game. So if you can simply identify what fiction somebody is familiar with and then tell them how it applies to the game within five minutes, you've made a new recruit. Right. And that uh, that that's that that is the the short version of that. Now, I will say, uh, in in very simple terms, because gamers mod, and I've seen this happen many times. Gamers will go out and read a series of books, and then they'll simply take their favorite RPG engine, and they'll they'll develop their their iteration of that game. So, you know, fine. You you mentioned Vampire the Masquerade. I've met a number of people who are huge Anne Rice fans. And they developed their own homebrew uh, uh vampire game, basically using second edition D and D rules and and they went from there and because everybody had the common understanding of the fiction they just plugged in the math to suit the situations as they were coming up as as they were as they were dealt with so uh, the la- the last thing i want to say here as a just just to be brief about this is that um yes you've got fiction that is like role playing games that has nothing to do with role playing games mm-hmm. so but there is fiction based on the role playing game there's tons of that stuff out there and so you know Dungeon, dungeons and dragons and its uh, its various iterations was in print for decades before there was ever uh, any of the dragonlance novels there were a few choose your own adventures early on oh, but uh, oh. beginning in the 1990s you really start to see the growth of the fiction based on the Dungeons and Dragons universes, it's Dragonlance, it's Dark Sun, it's it's uh, uh, the Underdark, and uh, and and just just on and on and on. Now that's that's in my opinion. Knock on wood here. Okay, my opinion is that for a long time the major corporations were asleep at the switch, because every place I ever lived, your local homebrew gamer said I love that movie I wish there was a game based on it I love those books I wish there was a hold hold on wait a minute I have I have dice I have paper yeah so before you know it it's like hey you know that TV show yeah we're playing a game based on it you know that that book series yeah we're we're playing a game based on it it's just that you didn't see these things on the store you know, on the store shelf at your local comic shop Mm-hmm. because the powers that be the the folks who had control over the distribution networks and the money they uh they, they they just didn't see the potential of it until until much later on and i have been a self-published author for the last 23 years i can tell you that um back in, as far as back as 2000 there were some um uh industry blogs you know back in the day uh, somebody at Al Ar, Ar, talsorian Games, they started a blogger blog and uh, they, they they started noticing how you know some homebrew gamers were ripping off their stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 and, and what by you know some homebrew gamers were writing novels based in their hold hold on wait a minute. Wait where's where, where's where's the lawyer? Did they did uh, anybody give them permission? Anybody? Any, no right. no are we sure? All right, you cease and desist. So you know, two thousand to about two thousand ten, you had this mad scramble because people who loved the r p g s were uh having the temerity to go out and write their own novels well now today. Uh, If you even have that thought, lawyers just automatically teleport into the area where, where you happen to be. No, 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 no. You have to have you have to have consent. You go to your favorite game store today and open the front of any game book and there's three pages of boilerplate in there. And uh, halfway down the second page is five paragraphs that say, this is ours. We own it. You can't do this without our permission, and no, we ain't going to give you permission. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) That's exactly – may I jump in and say that's exactly why I created my own homebrew world. And uh, uh, I always start off every book with a disclaimer that uh, – Name, 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 names of characters are purely fictitious, and if they you know it's just coincidental if there's you know, if, if, a, if a person says, "That's my name." yeah,. But, uh, and and, and you've got to remember something else too. And Justin's absolutely right on, on this. We, we had Tolkien, Lord of the Rings in the '50s. We had uh well i i i was born in 65 so let me give some context but uh we had chronicles of narnia we had michael moorcock and his eternal champion series and conan the barbarian those are the big four that i remember reading about in the 70s and it was really those four works or those four arth- other than authors that really created the swords and sorcery genre i mean sure jules verne and science fiction started earlier uh i think uh i remember a I remember a, i remember can't remember the frenchman's name but there was a frenchman who uh back in like the seven, late 17 early 1800s wrote a story about uh sailing a ship to the moon uh, i i i and uh but again uh science fiction started first but the swords and sorcery genre as Justin rightly points out, it did. Uh, uh, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, those four books were predominantly what we had, and then D and D came out, and then all the explosion from there. Dragonlance and the, and many others. Uh, I, I keep thinking of the Thieves World Saga by Lynn Lynn and, Ab, uh, uh, and Abby. Robert Asprin, Robert Asprin, and Lynn Abbey. That was it. Yes, the Thieves World Saga, Lankmar. The uh, you mentioned earlier, the Lankmar books, and the uh, oh yeah, the Judges Guild materials. All this stuff really started rocking and rolling in the very late seventies, early eighties.
1: <laughs> yes, so we you can see how um, in terms of. There is a certain amount of, self, of, of self-perpetuation. It's almost like a perpetual motion machine. So the average person starts off reading the flavor of fiction, and then at some later point, they are made aware of the fact that an RPG that caters to those themes exists, and that pulls them in. And so it goes back and forth and back and forth, game and and, and novel, game and novel and game, and and – the, the world we live in today makes it very difficult for, uh, for, for, for people to enter that uh, marketplace. So if you find some Dungeons & Dragons thing that you just love the hell out of uh, and, and, and you write to the people who own this, whether it's Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast, uh, nine times out of ten, they're simply not going to respond to you because you're not worth their time. Mm-hmm. You know, but but they've got an army of lawyers waiting in the background. If you dare to self-publish anything that treads on their copyrights or their trademarks, they'll they'll be going to be quite happy to litigate you into poverty.
0: And, and that that's exactly why I don't self-publish. I uh, I work with a medium-sized publisher right here in Phoenix. Uh, literally, it's Arizona Publishing LLC, run by a wonderful lady named Patty Holstrom. And um, I, one of the one of the great things about the uh, old school uh, license and all, uh, a lot of the kibitzing that Hasbro has been trying lately, one of the great things about it is as long as you uh, come as long as you present monsters that have not really been explored before or situations or isn't identical to someone, then uh, if, if there's enough variation, you can get away with it. But It's really hard to do, particularly if you really start. uh, I'm sure if if my book suddenly took off and I I started making real money with my books, I'm sure somebody somewhere would say, wait a second, this reads like D&D. Well, of course, but I uh, I I I create I create my own situations and I use my own um, tweaks to make things diff. there's nothing new under the sun. Everything resembles everything else. We all know that. But uh, that's why that's why all my books are copyrighted. And if anyone jumped on my world, uh, I'd at least be able to say, hey, uh, nobody minded when I copyrighted these books uh, as they came out. So <laughs> uh,
1: nobody cares when you are a little fish. Yes. But when you when you get to be a medium sized fish, they start looking at you. Yeah. And uh, uh, when, when when you start verging on. Uh, being a big fish, then yes, they, and the thing is, is that there's money in it. It's lucrative, mm-hmm. and so if they 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 will come and step on you. Um, because they can. That that really is what it boils down to. And the law firms that represent companies like Hasbro will say uh, any form of copyright infringement or trademark infringement is still an infringement. And in order to I- ensure the integrity of our brand, we must defend all comers. Hmm. And I, I've seen in the last 20 years, I've seen far too many uh, uh, people innocently tread on uh, you know, uh, corporate trademarks, corporate copyrights, uh, th- they never intended to, but um, they—they're just—they're uh, shocked when when it happens because anybody anybody who's ever received a cease and desist letter can tell you that uh, uh, you don't sleep well that night. No, right. You you
2: have but a total bullpucker moment when you see that letterhead. <laughs>
1: So, all, so that 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 being that that being the case, I want to come back around full circle here to yeah. emphasize the point that Jim wants to make—that there's a real tie-in between fiction and game. Now, the important thing I want to make the distinction about here is that, again, you can have swords and sorcery fiction that that. The, the game developers have no connection to, but because the themes and the flavors and the heroes and the villains are also stimulating, you can go and you can find a game that caters to your tastes, whatever it is you happen to me. So like, if you love the Star Wars role-playing game, there's a thousand Star Wars novels out there. <laughs> Uh, with with ironclad trademarks and they're 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 happy they're happy to let you buy all of them and it lets you continue enjoying the taste of the universe mm-hmm. and you will find that in the world of consumers you have your hardcore gamers who say, no, no, I just, I just, I just want the game. No, I, I don't have time to read the novels. And you will have <laughs> other people who say, you know, I played the game two or three times. Love the hell out of it. But the, this novel thing, you know, I, I can sit in the bathroom. I can read a chapter and I come out feeling great. Yeah, I love this stuff. So no more game for me. But, yeah, sign me up for the next novel. Thank you.
0: And, and that's exactly why you cannot copyright a name. <laughs> and best of all, uh, the uh, – the the again that thank god the uh i i once saw a very funny cartoon in dragon magazine it was called what's new and uh, there was a joke in dragon magazine somewhere uh things that tsr would love to copyright but they can't they had words like like they had words like dragon wizard l magic you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
1: it doesn't mean they didn't it, try yeah. i mean but, uh, I, i've but, seen, I've seen yeah. any number of games yeah. um and, and
0: the i just wanted to jump in and just say fan fiction is different mm-hmm. when you're using characters that are recognizable from star wars that as, fan long, fiction, as,
1: as long as you swear up front that you're not trying to make money off of it you're you're, yeah. you're relatively safe Mm-hmm. Right. That is that 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 is the fact. Now, when par, part of what I noticed when and I, I get in my time machine and I go back to 1983, that's the that, that's when I decided that I was going to develop uh, my 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 own post-apocalyptic role-playing game. I saw the immediate tie-in to to fiction right there. I said, "Wow, you know," is like uh, because in 1983 um the first two road warrior movies were you know Mad Max and Mad Max 2 Mad Road Mad. Warrior and i said to myself my goodness those are fantastic movies wouldn't it be so great if there was a a role playing game based on that and i automatically you know said like you know if i write to the movie company after they get done laughing at me they're going to say no so hmm if I, I develop, and- if I develop my own game and if I own my own game, if I own the copyrights and the trademarks, then I can say yes to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, th- so then there was a period of time all throughout the late 80s that the, I and my friends were having the debate, which comes first, chicken or the egg? Uh, and, and the funny thing is when I was working on early game mechanics, some of the people close to me said, I don't get it. I just – uh, it's all uh, the math is uh, the math is giving me a headache. I don't, where's the story in this? I don't understand. So and, I said, I said, I, I wrote the first novel, which is Haven's legacy. And uh, the, the, they read it and they said, Oh, Oh, now I give this. Yes. Mm-hmm. This totally makes sense. I, I, I get it now. And, and so and, that, and, that was, that was my more or more or less was my proof of concept. So by it's fair to say that by 1990 I I did understand that as 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 the world of fiction merchandising and RPGs as they grow as they become more lucrative, if I wanted to write fiction based on the game I had to own the game, but um, to, to 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 I want to finish up here come back to full circle to Jim's point, every time I have anything to do with the creation of a new gamer it's always the same conversation what fiction have you read and so when somebody mm-hmm. says you know i have uh, you know, i have read the star wars novels well okay what you see going on here is a role-playing game yes there is a star wars game you can go to the store you can buy it etc mm-hmm. but when when those people have that hook but, ah, it's it's like books that I've already read. Yeah, okay, there you go. That's how that's how you create a new gamer. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And here and and I totally and here's I'm going to jump in because here's Justin's and my big disagreement. To me, it's a waste of time developing an RPG or or a game system. Just mm-hmm. a waste of time. There's so many systems out there, and so many people uh, like to prefer to play with their own systems. It's better to write the novel. You see, if you write the novels, uh, I've never I've never had any problem recruiting players. I, I have a waiting list. I have people like, oh, I want to get in the game as soon as I can. Like, great. You know, the the, the, the the role-playing game system. Hey, thank God for GURPS. We all love GURPS. Generic, universal role-playing system. You can use GURPS with no copyright, and no one will come after you as much as you want for a role-playing system. Um, the, the novels... The stories, the the settings, are much more fun, I think. And uh, sure, somebody comes up to the table, oh, what you doing? You know, sure, you can men- you can mention all sorts of uh, fictional novels or stories or movies, or you know, get it, get get them excited and get them hooked. Absolutely, I agree. I agree with Justin there. But why reinvent the wheel? Why 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 not just write the novels? And, uh, and then and then, let people go with it from there i'm I'm thrilled that uh, a lot of people have been inspired by my books to create the, create their own homebrews, and you can use whatever system you want i mean gerb star wars, d and d whatever uh, you've got five you've got actually you've got six editions of d and d if you count three yep. edition three and then edition three point five so and you got Pathfinder and you've got all these other uh game systems now again Justin and i we have a lot of fun going back and forth on this but uh the uh, i did just want to add that the it's the setting like uh how many cultures do you have how many monsters how what's the plot What's the, uh what uh if you have consistency and got, like uh, one thing my players love is that uh i'll i'm I'll, I'll drop a uh, i'll have a non player character drop a Character, uh, not another non player character name in a tavern, and my players will be like, Oh, yeah, we we tussled with that guy's minions a couple of weeks in real life. Oh, yeah, it was a couple of months ago we tussled with that guy, that non player character's minions earlier. Hey, we need to keep an eye on that. You know, again, uh, the the novels and the story, I think, are more important than the game system.
2: See, that, that, that's a really good point. Uh, I know two final topics I wanted to bring up and totally just drop down and get your guys' opinions on this. First, when you read a novel that's supposedly set in an RPG setting, but as a reader, when you can totally feel they hammer, they had a story. It was its own bubble, its own universe, and then they hammered in a few aspects of the RPG just to give lip service to say that this is written in this world. Like like I kind of joke about some of the old Forgotten Rome books. Before Forgotten Realms yep. was a setting, the books came out and created all this great stuff that the RPG stole from the books. I mean, we all know R. S. Sullivan, you know, wrote a bunch of cool stuff about dark elves that became Drow, which became copyrighted material because it was his novelization for the RPG. And the other yeah, that, thing—that's
0: why—that's that, exactly why my Underdark is is inhabited by dark elves mm-hmm.
2: rather than Drow. <laughs> yep, because as I have jokingly told friends who wanted to write their own books, I'm like, dude, if you pull up the D&D free rules – that is the stuff that is not copyrightable because it's in, existed before Dungeons and Dragons ever did. Your orcs, your elves, the, the words that can't be copyrighted. But when you say something like drow or beholder or things like Mind Flayer specifically written in the Forgotten Realms, they own that shit. So if you drop any of those names, you will get a nice letterhead in the mail and apparently Pinkertons nowadays because that's what Wizard does. So, uh, so, so my 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 question is, what is your opinion when you feel someone writes a great story, but then hammers in a few things to make it sound D ish or you know, fit into an ap- apocalyptic setting? And the second thing is, what is your opinion on lit RPG? Because that is the new baby. I mean, the literary role playing game style of writing, where they literally take a book and they meta game. The RPG into the book so you have characters talking in first person where they're like I see this I I con the target and see their stats you know and they they totally bring in the meta RPG rules into a book which I I personally as someone who enjoys writing I, I do love lit RPG books for what they are I totally don't take them as like serious die-hard fantasy because it's literally just an interpretation to me. But what's your guys' opinion on those two
1: topics? In the interest of fairness, I'll let John go first.
0: Uh, and and have you come in and correct me? No, you go ahead, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, well, all right. okay. Um, let 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 us begin this way. Okay, uh everyone please rise, clasp your hands together and repeat after me. <laughs> money. <laughs> money. <laughs> Okay, these things exist in the marketplace because there's enough consumers out there who are willing to buy them, and and, and if nobody would buy them, then big business wouldn't hire lawyers to defend them. That is, <laughs> that is the bottom line basis for all these things. Now, from a philosophical point of view, you can be for them or against them. As an ethical point of view, you can be for them or against them, and – I will uh, do, a, do a quick flashback here. Talk about my own experience. So when it became known among my friends that that I was going to develop a role-playing game, um, the, it, at first the majority was generally supportive. Yeah, you know, you're you're full of hot air. That sounds like something you could totally do. Uh, and and then as my project got closer and closer to becoming a reality, then all of a sudden the supporters become skeptics. <laughs> I don't know. It, there there were some people who would say, "Oh, that looks so good. I I want to be involved. Let me work on a piece of this." And then so I would talk to them about what that would what that would actually involve. Well, you have to you have to show up for these meetings, and you have to agree to do this role play. You have to do this game testing. And I'm going to I'm going to generate a spreadsheet page for you, and I I want you to record your dice rolls. And, and it's like whoa 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 hold on. I said I wanted to work on your game. That sounds like work. Well, yes, but if you're going to work on the game, what exactly do you think you're? going Well, I I was hoping for the fun. And so then then all of a sudden they beg off. Well, when the game looks like it's going to become a reality, then the last of the supporters vanish because now they're shamed because they, they were <laughs> discovered to be work cowards. And because they hid from the work, now they, they feel embarrassed. And then I start getting... Uh, mail from people that I've never met before who say, you know, you should totally give this away for free. You don't no. need to be a corporate elitist. You, you don't need to be another sellout. The world needs another good RPG because we're starved for more content. But, but there's no reason why you should get rich off this. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can think of the last, uh, the last 15 years of working on this, and uh, yeah, I I can, th- I can think of, I can think of some reasons why I should get paid. And and so then lo and behold, when the the blessed day finally came, and the product has launched and the 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 this the, the spit has happened and there were people who just just yelled at me, oh, you sell out, you dirty rotten sellout. And then all of a okay. sudden there was this period of 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 of, of empty silence. And then all of a sudden after that, the, the, the people who start talking to me are people who make more money than I do. Hey, what you doing? What's a guy like you doing in a neighborhood like this? Gosh, you you seem so vulnerable. Um. What? Who? Me? No. Oh, don't don't worry about me. No, just, I, I'm not I'm not anything for you to be concerned about at all. But I'm just curious to know: Does your game do this? Does your game do that? Does your game do the other thing? Because you can't. If you do, my lawyers will find you. Okay. So there there's that. And
0: uh, may, may I say that that's another reason why I don't. I myself don't bother. Yes, but do you know my- why this.
1: Do you know why this Roll doesn't bother teams. me you know why this doesn't bother oh. me because i whip out I, I, my phone and i hold up my phone and i said do you see this this is the this this is the phone number to my publisher i totally know this guy this guy will back me to the hell he will go to hell with me if i want him to all that and, and the thing is is it's a joke because i am the publisher you know, but but, but, I really oh. was like i I I know this guy, he and he and me, we have shared the mud and the blood, and they will fight for me and and these other people who are sniffing me out are like, okay, all right, yeah, sure, cool, cool cool, man, cool, just and I, I, I sure, team. and we'll, we'll just'll just, we'll just let alone. I sure
0: hope I sure hope, Justin, your bluff is never called that's I hope that's
1: ah. Um, Let's now, just say that the, the the scenario has been planned for. The scenario has been war gamed, and I would love to have that problem. Well, because if I am for- if if I am eventually making enough money, that, that that somebody wants to come and lawsuit me, you
0: know, yeah, uh, it's great. it's, it, it, it's
1: it, it proof, Yes, it's proof it's positive that I. It means that I have something worth taking. True. That's what it boils down to. So whenever I yeah. want to write another novel that is based on my game, I know exactly who to talk to. Now he's hard to reach sometimes, you know, because there, there there's days when he's off fishing or he's out he's out messing around with his wife or you know some damn thing that I I just I just can't understand. Oh. But when I can get a hold of him, he's totally there for me.
0: And uh, that. That that's why I'm delighted I have a publisher. <laughs> and uh I I actually agree with you on many levels. I actually agree with you on many levels uh Justin, but um again, there I, there, there is uh,
1: one conversation you might have with your publisher that I will never have with my publisher. My publisher is never going to call me and say, hey, Justin, uh, you know, we, just, uh, we just got a, a, a visit from a guy with a cease and desist letter, and we love you, man. We absolutely love you, but you're not pulling in enough Gs for us to fight this lawsuit. So uh, no. we're going to terminate <laughs> our contract. We're going to encourage you to explore other options, and we're going to go hide from these very scary people. I am and never just- going to have that conversation with my publisher.
0: Just, Justin, uh, I I still say I'll never have that discussion with my publisher. Uh, she is a very dear friend of mine. And that's why I'm trying to get as many books out as I can. That's why I've gotten six books out in the last eight years. I usually get out a book a year. And that's why I, oh, yes, I was delayed two years by COVID. Everybody was. but uh, And uh, the the thing is. Uh, with my publisher, and it's a shame that uh, she's actually thinking of retiring because her regular job, it's funny, she, her regular job, she publishes nonfiction books. So her, in her spare time, in her fun time, she publishes fiction books with authors like me. But yes, I can probably say my publisher is with me also. And uh, and again, without the without the game system, Thank God for freedom of speech. We can, we can write in a book almost anything we wish. Now, James, I'm going to put you on the spot here. James? Uh-huh. You've read, what, at least two or three of my books? Yep,
2: yep. I have the fourth one. Okay. I have not read it, but I've got, uh, I've got three under my belt.
0: Okay. Uh, let me ask you something. Oh, uh, did you ever feel reading my books that you needed to be a D and D player to enjoy them?
2: No, no, it's 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 got the fun, campy fantasy level where it's it's not specifically hammered into any one peg of fantasy style writing, but that it's 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 free form enough that you know you're not dropping any buzzwords or like that's that's one of the ones that you know as I'll totally throw it out there as a kid growing up starved for star wars content in the 80s how many novels did we get in what is now called legends that was a novel yep. written that had nothing to do with the galaxy far far away but they hammered in buzzwords just to make it sound star Warsy, you know
1: Yeah, and, and i'd like to i'd like to address that because there's a reason for why that is mm-hmm. okay when you're, any, when, when you're a publisher and you want to cash in on something, um, the, the the commonly accepted wisdom is that you have to go find a uh, subject matter expert who is steeped in that thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, but but there is there is such a thing in the world of money called a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't have A subject matter expert who is up to date on the the novels of John Smith, let us simply bring in somebody who is capable of writing that theme, and Mm -hmm. because John Smith is a production monster and he can knock this book out before lunch – We'll pay him for doing exactly that, then we'll have our own editors go back in and we'll have them uh, pick and choose a few parts of the story here and there and we'll change a few words we'll add the content in in some worlds in the world of theater and and television acting. This is called phoning it in <laughs> and and it, it 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 is a it is a simple shortcut that saves money. It allows any publisher who engages in the practice to get their material out there to cash in right now because all and publishers know that all themes are cyclical and we want to cash in on this. Now we don't want to wait for the next 25 years for the wheel to come mm-hmm. full circle. We want to get our money now.
0: And that's why I'm so that's why I'm particularly and so blessed. My publisher has never once interfered with my plots or my content is never once it said, John we have to change this or cut this or rewrite the you know but let me tell you a story you really you really the bottom line is you really have to love what you're writing you have to love what you're writing about when you're swimming um, me, in the
1: ocean, you must know that there are sharks in the ocean, and you must right. choose your swim trunks accordingly. If you, put on the black, people, if you put on the black nylon, you can swim with the sharks all day long. But if you insist on strapping on beefsteak, <laughs> you better get ready to be noticed.
0: Right, and here's the fun part. Uh, one time uh, at about 3 in the morning, I got a phone call from my publisher, John. The printers made a terrible mistake uh, in your third book. I think it was Pivotal Ruckus. Like two chapters were like omitted and put near the end when they were really, sh- the, when we wanted them in the beginning. You need to rewrite these two chapters and you need to get this to me in three hours. I, need, I had to finish by 6 a.m. So guess what? Other people who don't love their material, have just rolled over and said, oh, just let it go. I got up. I rewrote the, the I rewrote the draft that my publisher sent me, and we got it all to the printer so it would be printed perfectly. And I'm delighted to say that's what's great about having a publisher. They can they can help you when they're when they're unforeseen difficulties or when they're uh, oh you didn't consider the copyright issues or, oh you didn't consider the printing styles and which font you're going to use and all this stuff. Uh, the finding a publisher is Forgive me, Justin. I I I think it's better than uh, than self-publishing, only because less le, there's less chance of you forgetting something that becomes very important later on. And um, I got to say, I'm really lucky with my publisher. She's she's a sweetheart, a dear friend. No, I've never dated her, but uh, uh, but again, uh, I feel supported and. Uh, <laughs> And I, I have other friends too. Uh, again, we can go back and forth on this, but I, I did just want to add one more point here, and then I'll shut up for a bit. The um, when I I I enjoy all these other games. I like exploring the game systems. I'm like I, I have a friend of mine who just uh, came out with his new game system. Uh, Todd Van Hueser, uh, Laughing Moon is his company. Oh, Laughing Moon. And he God. has a yeah yeah he has a, he has a wonderful uh, gaming system. Uh, he stopped writing novels. <laughs> Actually, he, co- he he contacted me like uh, John. I wish I had written more novels first, and then came out with the game system. But uh, but it's still, uh, the the whole point is that whatever you do, I always tell everybody: write and make the commitment. Make the commitment to write about something you care about that you want to share with people. There's nothing more intimate, there's nothing more courageous than to say, hey, I think this is a great story. I want to share it with people who may enjoy it. And uh, that's why important you got you're doing, to, to be willing to get up at three in the morning to make changes when you have to. <laughs> now, by the way, Justin, I did have a question for you. Um, The, um, the 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 role playing system you the the role playing system you developed, what is it similar to? Is it similar to D and D? Is it similar to GURPS? Is it similar to Pathfinder? Is it similar to the Star Wars role playing game? Is it similar to the Firefly role playing game or the the Dune D U N E Dune, Dune role playing game? What is in the, entr- in the, in the interest
1: game? of modesty. I would yeah. like to I, I would like to refer this question to our esteemed moderator.
2: OK, uh, I, I would totally say it has hints of like the D20 system, but also marries the D100 system beautifully.
1: OK, so there you have it. And, and and somebody who's not me said that.
2: And, and the beauty is, he, you know, too, like when you read after, you know, at. AC after the collapse is it does literally in the game book give you the keys to the kingdom to mod the game for anything because one cool thing is it's an apocalyptic game or I should say you know a after the collapse as opposed to apocalyptic and you get to pick your poison you can go because you know you're basically just slotting in what the apocalypse is because there's a whole chapter where it just gives you which kind of apocalypse is your guys' game going to be? Is it going to be the Rise of the Machine? Is it going to be the gasoline shortage Mad Max? Is it going to be post-apocalyptic nuclear? And literally any two sessions that pick up this game book and play it could have totally different games going on, which, which is cool. You know, and mm-hmm. on top of it, you could always import characters from one game to another, and it's fairly smooth and easy to do that because hey when it all comes down to it people are people
0: you know when it comes yes and justin james isn't it fun justin to put james on the spot i like that
1: (laughs) Well, he, he's he's the boss. His name is on the door, so he's on the spot whether he wants to be or not. That is that is the plain and simple fact. So the bottom line here is, uh, Jim, did 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 you get an answer to your question?
2: Yeah, uh, but I will I will want a quick quick blurb because we have gone on for quite a bit because you know we do like to talk about what we talk about. It's almost like it's a thing we
0: do. I gotta get up for work tomorrow. Fifteen minutes and I gotta go, guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: So in, in a quick couple seconds, because uh, we didn't really touch the the lit RP. What is you guys' opinion on that? You know, fiction that's written from a perspective of a gamer who's aware of they're in a game setting, because
1: you know it's a it's a business it's a business decision. It is like any other flavor of fiction. If I was going to write vampire fiction tomorrow, I would have my choice of at least twenty different industry recognized sub themes, mm-hmm. and so the. Um, the lit RPG. There are people who love because they because they love the, the 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 mechanics or they love the math. They like to have that as a constant narrative in the background. Now, what you're what you're seeing there is a publisher making that decision that, you know, there's enough people out there who want this. It's worth cashing in on. The people who love to read this are saying, oh, thank heavens, somebody has finally recognized my taste. Yes, I will totally go buy more of this. And that's why, why Lit RPG exists.
2: Because mm-hmm. the fan base supports mm-hmm. the publisher who then says we will invest further in this, like, like any creative thing, you know. Because, damn it, some of no. creators. Right. especially your um,
1: publishers.
2: Wink, wink, nudge, yes. nudge.
1: I.
0: Okay, now, I think literary RPGs are a bit of a trap. I think they can limit your audience. When I when I write my books, I try to make them a, appeal to a wide, you know, the largest majority of people possible. It's so easy to get lost in RPG references. Uh, I think I think my biggest, biggest problem with my first is I actually sneak in there some movie references, and uh, it's been pointed out to me that uh, movie references kind of uh, yeah, kind kind of disrupt the flow, if you will. So I I'm not actually disagreeing. I'm just simply saying that as you want to write to appeal to the largest group possible, that's why I focus more on my characters than worrying so much about RPG rules and traditions. Does that make Mm -hmm.
2: sense? You you make sure to take care of the art,
1: not the RPG. You're focusing on your preferred cup of tea.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And sharing that as many people as possible. Uh, Again, I, I don't want to talk for an hour, but uh in just a few wo- in just a few words on each book. My first book is more like a Game of Thrones story where you've got lots many people competing for the throne of Palomar. Okay. The very, very, very cutthroat assassination. Oh, look over there. Pow. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, my second book is more uh more of a civil war story where you've actually got fighting in cities and a a big gettysburg like battle uh, in my second book uh though no, no no guns or cannons, medieval equipment and spells, and the game masters university course. then that's my second book the, the third book is my ocean going book my pirates my sea invasion uh wooden sh- iron men. And, oh, yeah, is that an angry dragon flying toward our fleet to destroy us? Uh, uh, right, exactly. Right. Um, So uh, my fourth book is my coming of age story. Uh, Six-year-old dragon. Now, granted, 26 years old is not young for uh, humans, but uh, a 26-year-old dragon is just barely barely a toddler, you know, and – Uh, If he sneezes too hard, his lightning bolt breath weapon will fire. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, my fourth book, Academic Mayhem, that's a coming-of-age story. My fifth book is my attempt at a trashy romance, uh, uh, Unexpected Entanglements, where I have the the two most unlikely, unimaginable lovers, a chivalrous, noble, heroic, bit of a self-righteous prick, paladin, and a wickedly evil, amoral, very seductive, evil, anti-paladin. Uh, her attitude is oh, I have to kill a billion people to get what I want? Well, too bad to them. <laughs> but yet, as Paul Abdul always says, opposites attract. <laughs> so, and my my sixth and final book, or I shouldn't say final, but my most current book, is a time travel story. Uh, throughout my books, I have a i i have an elderly elderly gentleman a nice gardener, a healer he uh grows his own poisons oops i mean medicines in uh, uh the imperial palace gardens the uh, the spy master for the imperial and yes, i avoid the pala imperial secret service for obvious reasons <laughs> no one wants on by the government. So Imperial Palomar and Secret Service. Anyway, um so many people love this character. And my publisher was like, hey John, can you give us a time travel story where uh, this uh this character is now a young hotshot teenager running around Paladon City trying to build his power base. So I to the will of my fans and um I'm excited I think I, I think my sixth book, Twisted Timeline, um i think is a very involved story and best of all you don't even have to read the other books to really appreciate what's going on because i try to make my characters relatable what would you know what how what would motivate a character why would they want this or why would they want to support and defend this person or are they in love with this person or are they after money or are they it's a combination you know what are the motivations of people and to me, the, the, these are more important than uh, RPGs.
2: <laughs> they're, they're definitely more timeless. I would get, I would definitely say that. So, yeah, I definitely think we've uh, tangled a big knot of tie-ins between RPGs and fictions. And it's probably a good place to wrap it up for the 10th. And uh, I'll see uh, the rest of this month if we can sneak you guys in on a interview between our – outside of gaming, real life, busy, busy schedule, and uh, knock out a few more RPG A Day episodes with you guys. And definitely thank you guys both for making the time to join us, you know, yesterday and today for hitting the ninth and the 10th for the RPG A Day 2023. Uh, and uh, we will definitely yes. be posting links for the, your guys's books, as well as uh, one, one of the, the newer ones of Justin's that I've actually just picked up. Because I totally was just snooping around on Amazon on my wish list. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I never did pick up the insights into building your own RPG book. So uh, I got a paperback now set to come to me in about a week, it looks like.
1: Well, thank you very much for the consideration. Please do be patient. Uh, Amazon equips those things with a very short legs, so it, it it takes them a while to get get here.
2: Yep, I uh, I have a few friends that work at some of the Amazon warehouses, and I hear they crack the whip on their goblins to make them work as fast as possible. But uh, in this current life and schedule, we have books don't come in two days anymore, especially print on demand.
0: Right, and uh, good good heavens, um, uh. Thank you again, James, for hosting us. This is always a pleasure and an honor. And Justin, I always enjoy—I always enjoy having fun uh, chatting. We uh, absolutely. What I think is fantastic, and one thing I just get disgusted with, and not here, is when people just cannot tolerate disagreement. You know, so <laughs> I'm delighted that uh, we can all chat and share ideas. And you know nothing's personal, nothing's mm. insulting, nothing's. Um,
2: it's conversation,
0: not. You know, like oh. Right. Exactly. And we we can we oh yeah we can disagree and we can you know we can say oh I think you're wrong but you know it's not a it's it's not like a a personal insult or anything like that you know we can totally disagree so
2: go get a beer afterwards you know
1: as, as absolutely. <laughs> right and, that, and by, that, is by, exact, with, that is exactly what i'm going to do here <laughs> when, when when we're done here uh there there's a uh, there's a six pack of beer downstairs in the refrigerator does not know it yet but its life is in great danger <laughs> i have
0: sadly i have to feed my cat and go to bed because i have to get up in about six hours to go to work yep. so it is <laughs> a work night but, uh, work but i work. will say this that uh that even more important than that James you got to get my fourth book and start reading i
2: know i am i have ever since covid i just had, for some reason not had time for reading real books i mean audiobooks i'm up to date with stuff but i've just not actually gotten to bend the spine of real books heck i'll totally throw it out there i've got a lot of books that i picked up to review for rpgs and i hadn't even freaking opened them
0: yeah and um well uh, do we all sign off at once or how yep. does this work well, just, we'll go I, ahead and,
1: <laughs> please 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 just go ahead and hang up and yeah, uh and I'm, then I'm we'll all my, we'll we'll all drop off and then i will go hurt my beer yep
0: and i'm i'm, I'm afraid that my system's going to die down because for some reason my computer just does not agree with skype you know it's always a little iffy good night gentlemen and uh Let's do it again soon. All right. Thank
2: you for joining us yes, RPG A Day, and I will talk to both of you guys later. Yes, thank
0: you. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the 5th Edition and Ragnarok and Roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok
1: Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us for a one-shot game or two.